0: All right, so stress, hormones, that fight or flight feeling that you have at times, anxiety, all of this is tied directly into your health and it's tied into your symptoms. It's tied into the weight gain. It's tied into the fatigue. It's tied into how you feel on a day-to-day basis. It's tied into how you deal with work, with your relationship. So I wanted to bring on an expert. She has been on the show before. I love her to death. Kate Vasquez, I will give her the formal introduction, but many of you know her as the author of Estrogen is a Bitch. We actually had her on talking about estrogen dominance. And just through her own, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let her tell you her story. But through her own struggles, she made a shift in her own life, career, business to really wanting to help women, well, all people, but especially ambitious women who are. Type A driven, and you know who you are because I'm one of them, overcome stress and anxiety. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. you're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Kate wanted to embrace who she was and really live out her purpose and be her authentic self. And then she decided to bring that to all of you with her expertise. So thank you so much, Kate, for coming on again onto the Thyroid Fixer podcast, because we love having you. And I love this topic. This is amazing.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Amy. I'm just so honored to be here again with you
0: because I
1: love you very much. And uh, yeah, this this topic is, is so exciting for me because of my own personal experience. I realized when I first, got into functional medicine. I started, my focus was hormones, because that was the most recent thing that happened to me coming off birth control and having Mm -hmm. hormonal imbalance. But um, this year, I realized the one thing that I struggled with the most was anxiety for over 20 years. And not only anxiety, I also had migraines that were debilitating. And I love functional medicine. Functional medicine has been so pivotal in my, my journey and my health and helping me you know heal my gut balance my hormones lower cortisol but the the two things that didn't completely resolve was the anxiety and migraines and i couldn't figure out why because i did all i did all the work you know i pulled out uh, inflammatory foods and healed my gut i've been exercising mm-hmm. mindful of my sleep i was doing yoga meditation and deep breathing but yeah. you know and those things are great i still recommend all my clients to do all those things however yoga, meditation, deep breathing, all those things were temporary. Like I felt good in the moment while I was doing it. But then once I stopped and went back into, you know, reality and into work and doing different things, the anxiety came back and, uh, it was, it was debilitating and it affected like my happiness and fulfillment in life. And at one point it even affected my marriage about five years ago. Like I almost ended up in a divorce with my husband because, I couldn't control the emotions. I was bottling them up. I didn't feel safe to express how I felt, and um, and my husband was coaching me at the time because he saw my full potential, even though I couldn't see it at my you know at the time. And uh, he ended up becoming my coach and not my husband. And he, I remember this day very clearly. In 2016, we were sitting on his old, ugly leather brown couch and. Just seeing the unhappiness and just the sadness and pain in his eyes when he's like, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. And when he said that and that he was contemplating a divorce, like my heart broke into a thousand pieces Yeah, (laughs) because I'm like, he was my soulmate and the love of my life and the thought of like losing him was so painful, but I'm so grateful for that conversation because it woke me up. And so I set out on this journey to figure out, you know, what was contributing to the anxiety, dove into mindset work, personal development, got into functional medicine. So it's been, it's been a fun journey the last five years, but this year I realized like all the mindset work that I've done, I need to bring this into the work that I do because that's the missing piece. That was the missing piece all along. And so, yeah. I'm
0: just so excited. Well, we're happy you're in this space. And one thing that you said that I really find interesting that I believe can apply to a lot of my listeners, my patients included, is that after you got your hormones balanced, you still dealt with anxiety and migraines. Those two things that most of us go into hormone balancing and thyroid fixing, thinking, well, that will probably go away because that's most likely connected to thyroid and hormone and and endocrine balance. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. So now we go a little bit deeper and start looking into how you deal with stress and what your mindset is and what is that root cause? And is it the adrenals causing the anxiety or is it something else? Or is it how we live our lives? So I I really find it interesting that you said that because I think that's going to resonate with many of the listeners, including being on the brink of divorce. And I have heard that from my patients as well, just from how fatigued they are. And you know, with anxiety comes fatigue when you're anxious. Oh my gosh, I had a day last week, just a ton of stress, ton of stress. I was basically running on adrenaline all day. And by like 1, 2 PM, I was tired like I was dead tired. So it really takes a toll. We're going to get into that with you on your, your entire body. When you're in that survival mode, when you're in that sympathetic state of anxiety all the time, you get fatigued. So now that's compiling with what's wrong with me, what's wrong with my health. Why am I anxious? Why am I depressed? Why am I tired? Of course, that's going to affect your relationship a hundred percent. So thank you for sharing that too. Yeah, Absolutely. So the different responses, to st- listen, we know the last couple of years, we've talked about this on, everybody has heard this on one podcast or another. The last two years have been hell, have been very, very stressful on many different levels to so many people, I mean, across the globe. So can you get into what are the different responses to stress that people have?
1: Yeah, so there are different First, there's different types of stress and then there's different responses. So the different types of stress, there's the acute stress and then there's chronic stress. And then there's something what I call low-grade chronic stress. Acute stress is something that acutely happens. Like for example, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden someone cuts you off. That's acute stress because now you go in fight or flight, slam on your brakes to prevent an accident from happening and your heart rate starts going, you know, crazy and your breathing increases. And then Once you realize you're safe, you didn't get hit, then your body's able to calm down. But then you go into chronic stress because then you start reliving what happened, (laughs) replaying the situation. And then all these thoughts, like, what was he thinking? Did he not see me? He could have hit me. I could have rolled over. I could have died. Like you could, yeah, start creating all these, these thoughts in, in your head. And then wherever you're going, like, say you're going to work. Once you get to work, can you believe what happened to me? I used to do this when I would try to the urgent care. I'm like, guess what happened? Someone just cut me off and I almost got hit. And so you create this story and tell all your coworkers and then you get home and you're telling your family. So now it becomes a chronic stress because you're replaying this over and over in your head. It's not just that one event that happened anymore. And we tend to do this with not just an accident, but like so many other things in our life, like arguments we had with our spouse or with our family, things that happen with work, we tend to carry them on into the next day and the next day and the next day. And so now it becomes like a chronic stress. And now there's something also that I call low-grade chronic stress, which is just like every day to-dos that we don't think is a stressor, but also our thoughts too, like all the, I should do, I have to do, I need to do. When we say that, that creates a low-grade chronic stress in our body, whether we realize it or not, because it's sending different signals, um, turning on different genes and releasing different hormones, different things in our body and turning on our sympathetic nervous system. And we're in trouble when we're in that low-grade chronic stress because we don't recognize the different stressors that are keeping us in that survival state. And uh, we'll definitely talk more about that in just a moment. But um, those are the different types of stressors. And then there's the stress response. So whenever we are faced with an acute stress, the four different types of stress responses is fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Most of us, go into fight right away. And that's because we get very defensive. And one, because we got to protect ourselves, you know, especially if we're in a car. But for example, if we're arguing with someone, we get very defensive. We want to prove that we are right. And uh, (laughs) yeah, that I was doing this a lot with my husband. So when I was experiencing anxiety, he would say something and I would immediately get defensive and prove that he was wrong. The problem was he was getting defensive too. So when you're both defensive, you don't really get anywhere trying to prove each other wrong. So that's the first stress response. Then there's flight where if there's a stressor. Sometimes we want to run away. We want to run away, avoid The stress, because with the stress comes a lot of emotion, a lot of emotional pain or sometimes physical pain. So we want to run away and a lot of people will run away and use something to distract themselves from that stressor. So, you know, for example, we all are aware of like people will use alcohol or drugs. But sometimes running to work, like growing up, I remember whenever my parents would fight, my dad would hop in the car and run work. So mm-hmm. that's flight, when you just run away because you don't wanna deal with the stress in that mm-hmm. moment. So it's not just alcohol and drugs, but sometimes it's, yeah, workaholics, that is a flight response or sometimes shopaholics. Sometimes when we're yeah. stressed out, we want to go shopping or binge eating. Yeah. You know, those are different types of, of flight responses. Then the freeze response is when you just like completely freeze. You get paralyzed. You just don't know how to respond, react. You're just completely frozen. Don't know what to say, don't know what to do. So you just don't do anything at all. So that's the freeze response. And then the fawn response is people pleasing. So it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, how can I make this better? You know, you're just, you're constantly worried about the other person and how to make it right. So that is the fawn response. Now, most of us will have an initial like fight. And then if the stressor continues, then we'll go into like fight, freeze, or fawn or sweet flight, freeze, or fawn as our way to cope. And I realized yeah. I used to go into fawn when I was younger. I was that people pleaser, you know, type A personality, perfectionist, just wanting to make sure everything was right. Everybody was happy. Even if I was not (laughs) happy, that was the fawn response. So those are the different stress responses.
0: That's so impactful because I'm sitting here thinking of how I have fallen into each one of those categories at some point of time, depending on the stressor. So again, I know everyone can relate. So when you're in that, that fight or flight mode, that's where we know physiologically adrenaline gets pumped out. So our, our adrenals kick in, cortisol rises because of cortisol rising, glucose is going to rise also. What other effects does it have on the endocrine system? I mean, you can tie it to the nervous system, how that plays a role in our health and then go deeper for me tie that stress response, no matter where you fall in the fight, flight, freeze and fawn, no matter where you fall, does each one of those have a different impact on the endocrine system, thyroid hormones, or do they all, it doesn't matter where you're falling in that stress response, it's affecting your health one way or another yeah, that's
1: a, I'll actually answer that first. That's a great question. It doesn't really matter what stress response you go into. It's still activating our sympathetic nervous system. I mean, granted, you're gonna feel it more when you go into fight because your muscles are gonna get really tense and hard, and your heart rate's gonna be really fast. But you know, freeze, flight, and fawn. you may not feel it on as intensely, but you're still activating your sympathetic nervous system, your survival mode. So, It does, it definitely, you know, with the two nervous systems that we have sympathetic and parasympathetic, the goal is to be in parasympathetic most of the time. But the problem is, is that most of us are living in that sympathetic survival state, like 24 seven almost, which is not good because yeah, like you said, when we're in that state, it increases our heart rate, our breathing increases. So a lot of people will have issues with their lungs, like asthma. I almost wonder like how many people have asthma attacks is because their airways are inflamed from being in a a sympathetic state, but also their heart rate increases. So their blood pressure is going to be higher. So a lot of people with high blood pressure, heart attacks, I've had clients that have come to see me who had history of heart attack and their blood or their blood pressure, their cholesterol, everything was like perfect. They, their cardiologist could not figure out why they had the heart attack. But when I dug into their history, they had a huge stressful event that happened right before. And it, because when you're in that survival state, it really takes a toll on your cardiovascular system. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it affects your heart. It stimulates your adrenal. So like you said, your cortisol goes up and your glucose goes up. And then uh, what people will tend to experience is sugar and salt cravings. And that's because when you're in a survival state, you need a lot of energy, a lot of resources to keep you in that state. So I hear it all the time. I'm craving sugar. I can't, I can't shake the sugar cravings or I'm craving salt. And I'm like, you're in survival.
0: <laughs> yeah. And,
1: um, Cause it's really hard to get rid of sugar and salty foods when you're stuck in a survival response. I get, it. I I've been there before constantly needing to eat sweets all the time when I was in survival. Yeah. And that's because our muscles need glucose for fuel. Cause when you're in that fight or flight mode, you know, the muscles are tight and tense. We need that fuel to prepare us to either fight or run away. And um, we also need the electrolytes. So electrolytes like salt to help fire up our adrenals and to also help with our muscles. Mm -hmm. So that's why we crave salt and sugar. And then um, when we're in a, a survival state, we also slow down the signals to our digestive tract and our reproductive tract. And it also affects our thyroid as well. So when the signals slow down to our digestive tract, we don't digest and break down food. So we may have nutrient deficiencies. We have gut issues. So bloating, gas, constipation. I used to struggle with a lot of constipation and I still will occasionally get it if I'm in a survival state. So
0: yeah, <laughs> cause
1: I've done a lot of work to heal. So if I'm like, okay, I'm not going to the bathroom. I'm like, it's usually because I'm stressed out and didn't, uh, didn't um, help my body to adapt. Right. But then the reproductive organs too, like the signals slowed down because when you're in survival, Your body's not thinking of, like in women, getting ready to have a baby. So it's going to slow down the signals. We're going to slow down the production of our sex hormones like progesterone. Mm -hmm. And when women have lower progesterone levels, that's when we experience anxiety because it's our feel good, happy hormone. So if we don't have enough of those progesterone levels, oh, and not only feeling good, but it also affects our sleep too. So when we have lower progesterone levels, we're going to experience more anxiety, more insomnia, and then have all the hormonal imbalances that come with it, the regular periods, PMS, stuff like that. And then it also affects our thyroid because it decreases the conversion of T4 to T3. And in fact, it actually pushes more reverse T3, which is the inactive thyroid hormone. Yep. And I've seen this in clients sometimes, actually, I saw this the other day with a client, her T3 and free T3 and T4 were normal, like optimal, normal, functional yeah. medicine, optimal, normal, but her reverse T3 was a little elevated, and it's because she was in a survival state. So now I'm working with her on her mindset, on the thoughts and the fears and the conditioning that she's developed, because I recognize if we don't get her out of that state, it's going to continue to impact her thyroid as well as help her to heal from, from Lyme disease, which is what I'm treating her with. So, so yeah, was it's, it's really important to recognize like, yeah, stress turning on your sympathetic nervous system can impact your thyroid in that way. And that's so important if you're listening and you're having thyroid issues and you're working with a doctor, you're working on tweaking the meds, but you're in a survival state. Like you can tweak the meds all day, (laughs) but until you get out of that survival state, it's going to continue to impact the thyroid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I have a patient right now who she's just in a lot of grief Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: that long-term grief. I mean, almost a year of, of deep grief that she is dealing with, but you can see how it affects her thyroid. Her reverse T3 is a little bit elevated. Free T3 is, you know, 4.0. It's functional, optimal, just like the person you're talking about. So you can really start to see how stress has a direct impact. And she's not losing weight because her body is always in that survival, grief, stress mode, anxiety mode. And when the body is like that, you can get a little bit more into into the parasympathetic versus sympathetic survival state. But doesn't the body just hold on to weight because it's the whole survival thing. That's what our bodies are meant to do. Like when we are in a state of stress, you, you hold on to your, your fuel, your energy, that's your body fat. Your body's not going to let that go. If it thinks that you're going into this, crazy deep running from woolly mammoth stress time
1: yeah that's exactly you're absolutely correct because back in the day our ancestors when they were in fight or flight they didn't know when they were going to eat because they were just so focused on surviving Mm -hmm. and fighting off their enemies whether it's the tiger woolly mammoth like you said or the tribal enemy from you know from across the way the body doesn't know any different now you know in our modern day society and Because we keep eating, the body doesn't know like there's a famine or not going to be a famine. And so it's going to hold on to every little thing. But also one mistake women tend to do is like, okay, when they gain weight, they tend to restrict their calories, which is not the best thing to do, especially when you're in survival state. Because now even more like when you eat the few calories that you're eating, you're holding on to everything because again, you need the energy, the resources to keep your body in that state. So Mm -hmm. it's so important to understand like what state you're in parasympathetic versus sympathetic, because one, there's a physical manifestation, meaning you can feel the symptoms physically. And that's like an increased heart rate, increased breathing. But also, you know, for me, I was experiencing migraines and I would have like six to eight a month. And (laughs) that's because my body was just stuck in that, survival state, my muscles were tight and tense in my neck and shoulder, which was triggering the migraine. So people will experience a lot of headaches or they'll feel dizzy, lightheaded, they'll feel a tightness, constriction in the throat, which guess what? That's where our thyroid is. And so when yeah. we're in that survival state, it's going to impact your thyroid and and not only that, the nausea, the upset, like digestive issues. So we're going to feel that physically in our body, but also emotionally too. There's emotional manifestations. So if we're feeling fear, doubt, worry, Guilt, shame, frustration, anger, resentment. I mean, there's a whole basically a list of negative emotions. If you're feeling a negative emotion on a yeah. consistent daily basis, you're in survival. The opposite of that is the parasympathetic state when your heart rate's calm, your breathing is calm, your digestion's optimal, your glucose is optimal. Like You have higher energy levels when you're in a parasympathetic state, but emotionally, you're gonna feel happy, love, peace, joy, abundance. So if you're not feeling those emotions on a consistent basis and you're feeling more anxiety, you know, frustration, overwhelm, fear, worry, doubt, whatever, that's your key. That's how you know you're in a survival state because we can't really test our nervous system But we can tune into our body, into our emotions, and how we're feeling physically to recognize what state we're in.
0: Interesting. So, as I'm sitting here, and and I hear this from a lot of patients too, a lot of people, that they go, "Well, uh, I I don't I don't think I'm stressed." Yeah, no, I, I don't know, I don't think I'm that stressed. But I think as a society, and also as if you are a type A driven woman, we tend to push off like. No, I got this. This is what I do on a daily basis. I, I run two businesses and a household and take the kids to school and clean the house and go grocery shopping and order Instacart. And that's just another day. So I think a lot of women don't even know that they're in a stress state because it's what we do. So are there any markers? Like, Could I look at my watch and go, well, as I sit here, I'm... Oh, I'm actually kind of low. I'm only at a 61 heartbeat, which is really good for me. Normally, (laughs) as I'm sitting, I'm at like 90, 95 because I'm on T3. So I was like, is there any way that someone can can just mm, be here, be present and go, what state am I in right now? Maybe I am a little bit sympathetic and not parasympathetic because I can tell my breathing is very shallow. I'm not taking deep breaths as I sit here interviewing you. So how can we tell? What do we do? Yeah. I would definitely check in with your emotion. Like, how are you feeling? Like, what is your current emotion? You know, how are you feeling right now, Amy? Okay. I'm, well, I'm excited to have you here and no, I'm at peace. I'm chill. Like I love doing this. So I think when you love what you do, it doesn't matter how many other things I still have to do do today. I, I, I'm loving the present moment. Cause I love doing this.
1: Beautiful. I love that. So yeah, I, I I like to give this exercise. It's called the emotional home exercise. So over the course of like three, five days, every hour. So set your set a timer on your phone for every hour. When it goes off, tune in and see how you're feeling emotionally, write it down. So right now you're feeling excited. You're feeling peace. Awesome. In an hour, see how you're feeling in an hour.
0: Right. And then an
1: hour from there, see how you're feeling because our emotions are going to go up and down throughout the day. And that's normal, you know, because things happen, you know, you may wake up wanting to feel happy and peace all day, but then things will start to happen throughout your day where now you're feeling stressed, you're feeling worried, you're feeling anxious about whatever's happening during that day. Even though you had your whole day planned out, you know, things don't always go as as it's planned. And so that's the best way to really check in and tune in what state you're living in most of the time. Cause if you do this every hour, write down what emotion you're experiencing at the end of the day, tally up and see, you know, what emotion you're living in your emotional home. Cause I realized I was experiencing anxiety almost throughout the day. That was like the main emotion that I was experiencing. And so that's when I recognized, oh, that's my emotional home. I'm in survival. But what I want to experience is happiness, love, joy, and peace. So now I actually feel that on a daily basis, But there's a lot more work to be able to do to to get to that point. But the first step is awareness. Awareness, what is your emotional home? consistently on a daily basis? Like, what are you feeling most throughout the day? Because again, the emotions are going to fluctuate. You're going to feel a range of different emotions, but what are you feeling the most? Because that's, what's going to tell you what state you're in. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I love that of of marking down every single hour. And even if you just do it for a couple of days, you're going to see that that pattern and you're going to be able to see how often are you in a, Even if it's just moderately stressed, even if you're that type A woman I was talking about that you're like, no, I got this. Now really check in with yourself and really ask yourself, are you just, "Mm, is your chest a little bit tight? Are you thinking about what you have to do in an hour or two hours, the rest of the day, tomorrow, the rest of the week? Because this is what we tend to do. We future trip and we start thinking and stressing about things that aren't even here yet. And you and I just came back from an amazing conference where we had the opportunity to be in the presence and listen to Joe Dispenza for about two hours. Those of you who don't know who Joe Dispenza is, go look him up. But he makes some, I mean, he, he says things that we know, but when you say them and you really take them in and digest him, you go, yeah. So if we know that stress can cause disease, right? We know that. We know stress, living in that fear, anxiety state can cause disease. Then he asked the question, well, then can't peace, joy, love, happiness actually cure the body and cure disease? So, have you seen in the work that you've done when you get someone to move into, now you're never going to be in parasympathetic all the time, but you get to move in the parasympathetic more. And that is the, the, the dominant state that takes over. Are yeah. you starting to see some health care? Well, I mean, you experienced the cessation of migraines and the saving of your marriage, but have you actually seen other health conditions balance out with any without any other intervention done? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. And I do want to go back. Another thing that I used to experience on a daily basis was just feeling constantly tense because, yeah, I t- was type A, um, recovered because people are
0: recovering. I was going to say you're still type A, Kate. It's still there. You just managed it better.
1: Yeah, I can. I can. Yeah, I'm a lot calmer. I'm more aware of what what causes me to get stressed out, which um, was just like the simplest, littlest things. But Uh, Yeah, I say I'm recovered perfectionist because when people say recovering, it means they're still they're still in the process, still a perfectionist. So, again, language is so important when we use it because it affects our subconscious mind, which can also trigger us and cause us to go into that sympathetic state. But yeah, as once a, a type A personality and perfectionist, I thought the same thing, like I wasn't stressed, but I realized Everything that I was doing, I was putting pressure on myself, pressure to go after goals and achievements and to be a certain way, you know, to be a person for other people. And I realized that was not authentically me because I was striving to constantly be this person to be liked, to be accepted, to be loved. And that was what was creating the stress. Because when we think of, you know, stress, we just think of like more external things that are happening, but most of the time it's the internal stress within that we're creating. And that's what affects our body. So once I recognized that I was able to yeah help and move into and be more in a parasympathetic and you're right, we're not going to be in parasympathetic hundred percent of the time because we're not built that way. We're built to go into uh, sympathetic to protect us when we need to. But the problem is, is that we don't need to be in, uh, sympathetic all the time, you know, so because our, our, our minds are perceiving everything as a threat now. So we can recognize what's a threat and what's not a threat that these things outside of us like, yeah, circumstances, the pandemic, a lot of that was perceived threat, create a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, which, yeah, uh, send us into that survival state. But mm-hmm. can we recognize what's in control and what's what's in our control and what's not in our control because that can help us move out of that sympathetic back into parasympathetic but also you know being able to live the goal is to be able to be in a parasympathetic state most of the day and if you do go into uh, sympathetic have the tools to help you get back to parasympathetic because that's the problem. Most of us don't have the tools. Once we're in a sympathetic, we kind of get stuck there for a while Mm -hmm. and we hold on to these emotions and things that, and thoughts and, and beliefs and patterns and things that we we've created for ourselves, which is then affecting our body. So the goal is to provide people with those tools to help them move out of that. And that's um, what I'm currently doing with my clients and I've created a program called already enough. Because one of the limiting beliefs that was running in the background of her mind, because her limiting beliefs are like open tabs on a computer. You know, like I currently have a bunch of tabs (laughs) open on my computer. And those are all the beliefs and the unconscious programming that's constantly running that we're not aware of. Mm -hmm. And once I uncovered the one big belief, I am not good enough, which is why I was the type A perfectionist, constantly Mm -hmm. striving just so I could feel like I was good enough. Yeah. Even though everything I was doing didn't feel like it was good enough, but I was constantly striving because I had that belief. And once I finally uncovered that belief and cleared that and replaced it, reconditioned my body, uh, my mind, excuse me, rewired my mind, which also helped recondition my body. Now I was able to move into a parasympathetic or flow state where my body was able to heal. And I recognized on this journey that, yeah. The migraines were just a result, a byproduct of just push, 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 go, 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 Mm -hmm. and not recognizing when I was moving into a stress response and moving myself out. And so continuing to be stressed, it triggered the migraine, which, you know, growing up seeing all the doctors, I saw different specialists, primary neurologists, dentists, like you name it for the migraines. And they also the same thing. Oh, it's just stress. But no one ever asked me, how was I doing? How was I coping? No one taught me how to adapt to the stress. They just wanted to give me a pill or a mouth guard or, you know, their different solutions, which didn't really help. And so once I recognized like, oh, there's something deeper, more than just a pill. And, and yes, the yoga and the meditation was helpful, but I had to go deeper. I had to go deeper into, you know, the beliefs and the patterns and conditioning, but being able to help so many other clients, it's been, it's been, powerful. I've had uh, one client, she was focusing on losing the weight, for example, and um, her goal was like lose 10 to 15 pounds. And she thought she had a hormonal issue. Well, when I tested her, it wasn't a hormone issue. It was an adrenal issue because her cortisol DHEA was really high. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's tap in. Let's dig a little deeper. Like, why do you want to lose 10 to 15 pounds? And what she uncovered was that the reason she wanted to lose 10 to 15 pounds was because she is a health coach nutritionist. And so she saw other health coaches and nutritionists who were like size zero to two. And she thought in order to be successful, have an impact, she needed to be at that weight. So I told her, I, I, or I asked her, I was like, have you ever been 10 to 15 pounds lighter? She said, yes. And I said, so what does, how do you feel with the thought 10 to 15? Like I, I, I need to lose 10 to 15 pounds. She's like, well, It feels very stressful, like very hard. And I was like, that's interesting. So if you've been 10 to 15 pounds lighter, how did you feel then? She's like, well, I was underweight then. I was like, that's interesting. And so when you're, so she was underweight trying to gain weight. And so I was like, well, how did you feel then? She's like, well, that was kind of stressful too. I'm like, well, this is very interesting. So I'm like, you're stressed out with the thought of needing to lose 10 to 15 pounds. And if you were to lose 10, 15 pounds, you know, you were stressed out because you were trying to gain the weight. So I told her, I'm like, I don't think this is I don't think losing weight is about the number. Right. Because either way, she was going to be stressed out. And the stress just creates, you know, inflammation in our body. And so yep. I told her, instead of focusing on losing 10 to 15 pounds, focus on how do you want to feel instead? How do you want to feel? How do you want to look? You know, um, what are you doing? And then when I realized like she was comparing herself, she recognized like she didn't need to lose that weight in order to be successful and have an impact. So I told her, I said, write 10 to lose 10 to 15 pounds on a piece of paper. I said, burn it. I'm like, we're not gonna focus on that anymore. Instead, write out what you wanna feel, you know, how do you look? Everything. Write, write it all out on a piece of paper and look at that every single day. Mm-hmm. So when I saw her uh, for a follow-up a couple weeks later, she had lost. Four, four pounds without doing anything, without right. changing diet, without exercising, without doing anything. And that's because she was putting so much pressure on herself. And like uh-huh. we were talking about, holding on to the weight. Once she released that pressure and let that go, she actually was able to lose the weight. So
0: <laughs> wow. 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 So oh gosh, I have so much to say about that. First of all, you know, my my listeners, my patients know that I'm all about optimization, through bioidentical hormones, through thyroid hormone replacement therapy. But at the same time, I really try to bring the other aspects outside of that because the other thing that I see in my practice is almost that I have created monsters that want more thyroid medication. And while that may be a hundred percent the case in some people, you do have those others where you go, yeah, but everything looks really good optimal, like really freaking optimal, like not even just borderline optimal, like you're rolling in with a free T3 of a 5, 24 hours, no medication. Your your testosterone is 125. Like, I think we're pretty good here. Your insulin's a three, you know, but now I'm wondering as you're speaking, is it something as simple as they believe, because many of them will come to me with this belief too, I got to be the hardest case you've ever had. I'm going to be a tough case. They will say it out loud. And then, you know, I go, no, you're really not. You're just like everybody. I see this every day. Your PCP doesn't, but I do. So you're not that hard, but I'm wondering now that, that the limiting beliefs, the feeling like, well, they've never, you know, been able to lose 10 pounds. What would make it different now? Um, Their whole family is obese. Why would they be different? And those, those programs that are running, like you said, just like all these tabs that I haven't opened in a month, they're still there. They're still on my computer. So yeah, this is fascinating because I just keep thinking now of the patients that are stuck, the ones that are like, "Mm, why can't I move past this plateau? And now I'm thinking mindset. It really is. It's our minds are so powerful and we
1: don't, we don't realize it. And once I started doing the work on my mindset, I realized how powerful my mind was. And it's so true. A lot of people have the belief, like, I don't believe I can heal. And so what I do with my clients is I'll muscle test them. I muscle test them for some limiting beliefs, like I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm doing something wrong. Those were three beliefs that I had. I brought in from childhood into adulthood, which was running in the back of the mind, creating the anxiety triggering the migraines, keeping me in that survival state. But another belief is I don't believe I can heal. And if people are carrying around that belief, it doesn't matter what medication you take, what dietary changes you do, how much exercise, sleep you get. It doesn't matter. It's, it's conditioning the body to like be stuck in that survival state and you're not going to heal. And so mindset is so, so important. And I believe it should be integrated and added in with everything else cuz yes it's still important to make sure you're eating the right foods you know getting exercise getting good quality sleep reducing toxins etc everything that we're talking about in functional medicine but i realized the missing piece to help people to really completely heal and not just like get temporary changes but to have lasting changes for long term is to really work on the mindset cuz when yeah. we have the mindset we have everything and and I truly believe like we always talk about mind, body, spirit, and we're great at focusing on the body, but we really need to dive in deeper with the mind. There's so much there because yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a lot of the, the limiting beliefs and the conditioning that sometimes uh, gets in the way and either keeps us stuck or we get better. And then sometimes we end up like falling back and uh, experiencing because I've seen this in the past too, before I started adding the mindset work. Clients would get better and then something would happen in their life and they would start regressing and going backward and experiencing the same symptoms again. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, I'm like doing all the right things and (laughs) changes, but I'm like, what's happening? And then I realized it was mindset.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's so powerful. And I want to just kind of like a a little example popped into my head that I want to give people and you can tell me if this resonates with you, but I think. You know, we, we all know someone, if you think through your life, we all know someone that's we deem as the complainer, right? It's that person that's like, oh yeah, these, these bills, oh, you know, I'm never going to get out of debt. Oh, the hits, the hits keep on coming. That's one very common phrase that I'll hear from the, the complainers. And if you look at their lives, Yes. There's no change. They are stuck exactly where they are, even though they might express like, I wish I could have more money. I wish I had the bigger house. I wish I had a different job. They're never going to because all they do is focus on the negative aspects of their life, every single aspect. So we all know that. And we can we can look at that person and judge that person, but then now step. Back and look at how you do that to your health. You might be like, "Well, I don't complain about money. I'm totally happy with my house, and I'm I'm happy with my family, and everything's fine." What do you say about yourself about your health? That alone will keep you stuck, just like it's keeping Joe Schmo, the complainer, stuck in you know maybe the same house and the same job, miserable. The bills do keep coming in because he speaks it out loud. Maybe you're in the same position with your health.
1: It's so true. It doesn't matter what. Area of our life we're speaking into, but yeah, if we're speaking negatively about our health, and you're not seeing the results, you know that's that's why. And it doesn't matter, you know, even if you have the finances, the the relationships, whatever, you're absolutely correct. It, it doesn't matter. The same thing applies even to our health, which is so important. And. Something I want to share with the listeners too is last year in May, I did an ayahuasca ceremony for the first time in my life. And um, I felt called to do it because I had done a lot of mindset work, but I felt like I needed to dig in a little bit deeper. Yeah. And uh, for those who are not familiar with ayahuasca, um, it's it's plant medicine. It's They mix the ayahuasca vine with some leaves. I, I always forget the name of the leaves, but when they mix it together and form this brew, it makes a chemical called DMT, and uh, which is a psychedelic. And psychedelics have been given a bad rep for many, many years, but... Back, I want to say in the 80s, it was actually used like ketamine, LSD, uh, MDMA, stuff like that. They were used to help people with anxiety, depression, PTSD, stuff like that, But um, which I think there's now a movement moving back into that direction because there was a lot of studies that supported it. So when I did the ayahuasca, I learned so much about myself. And the most important lesson I learned from that was that I realized I was creating my own suffering, by experiencing anxiety every single day, like I had created that and we create our experience. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) when, when I first got married to my husband, we used to tell each other all the time, you drive me crazy. No, you drive me crazy. We would say that. And it's so funny because now we say like, no one can, no one can cause you to feel that, you know, no one can make you go crazy. The only thing that was, making us go crazy was our own thoughts about the other person. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, my husband wasn't making me go crazy. I was making myself go crazy based on my thoughts about him. Right, And, um, you know, we do that because again, like the power of our mind, our thoughts is what creates our reality. It's what affects our health physically. And mm. if we're not tuning into that, you know, you, we can be the victim and blame things that are happening. But when we start to take our power back and take responsibility and recognize like, no, I'm the one that's creating my own suffering. And I realized like every single moment I had a choice, I could continue to suffer or I could choose to live in a beautiful state because the mind is that powerful. You can mm. switch out any moment. It takes practice at the beginning, but once we practice, really start applying tools and techniques to recondition and rewire our brain and our body, we respond a lot differently. And I no longer suffer every single day. And if I start to go into suffering, I'm like, whoop! <laughs> I catch yeah. my pain. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm like, no, I choose to live in a beautiful state. And that's happiness, peace, love and joy and fulfillment. That's the state I want to live in every single day. So if I'm not feeling that I check in with myself and like, okay, what's happening? <laughs> Why am I not feeling that right now? And because uh, I know if I continue to feel that it's going to affect my body, and then I'm going to get a migraine, for example.
0: So exactly. So hey, you know what will come.
1: Yeah. So that's something what I wanted to share with everybody is that we, we create our own suffering, but you also have a choice. You have a choice in every single moment. Yes, bad things happen. Things happen that are out of our control, but it's how we show up. It's how we respond. It's the meaning we give things. It's the thoughts that we have, which can affect that experience, you know, and um, we can look things as 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 bad or good. And in fact, Shakespeare once said, like, nothing is good or bad. It's just the meaning we give it. And it's so true.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Kate, this has been amazing. This is absolutely amazing. And so you actually created three core pairs to calm down the nervous system. And yes. would you mind sharing that so that the audience can maybe... Well, I love your your idea of documenting how you're feel, feeling at every hour. Like that is gold. That is gold. But now... Give them the three core pillars and they can tie this all together. And then we'll tell them about your masterclass too.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. So on this journey, I discovered three core pillars that was helpful to help me move out of that sympathetic back into that parasympathetic state. The first pillar that I uncovered was my limiting beliefs and which I have already shared. One of those limiting beliefs was I'm not good enough but you know, a lot of us probably have more than one. Like I had, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm doing something wrong. And these limiting beliefs, they happen during childhood because when we are, when we were born until seven years old, all we have is our subconscious mind and our subconscious mind. We're not aware, you know, as a child, you're just, you're soaking everything in, everything that's happening Um, is being filtered into your brain and it starts creating these patterns and these conditioning, the automatic programming, you know, because you're learning from your environment. You don't know anything else. So you're just learning from your environment. And by the time you hit seven, now your conscious mind starts to form. And that's when you're actually starting to be more intellectual and piece things together. Our conditioning is based off of our past. So when something happens, we link it back to past experiences. So, Mm -hmm. so, you know, our limiting beliefs happen and form when we're a child, you know, like, for example, I, when I got in trouble, I was spanked so that I developed yeah. the belief like I'm doing something wrong. So every time I got in trouble,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm like I'm doing something wrong. And then I always feared like, you know, that's where the perfectionism comes in. Like when I do create something, I want to make sure I do it right so I don't get it wrong, you know? So that's one example. So that's the first pillar is like identifying these beliefs because once you identify the beliefs, the beliefs are what trigger and turn on our sympathetic nervous system. And so the second core pillar, I just said trigger, is, is a trigger. So learning to identify what are your triggers? Yes. And then not only that, but I also identifying the stress response, because when you're in a stress response, you know, okay, this is turning on my sympathetic nervous system right now. And I, Mm -hmm. I recognize that like, you know, anytime there's a trigger, there always ends up being a response. We either react or we respond most of the time we get triggered and go right into reaction, which is usually the fight response. <laughs> and so what we want to do is when we get triggered, there's a gap between the trigger and the reaction or the response. We want to pause because if we can take that moment to pause, you can prevent from going into one of those stress responses, which is like usually flight, most or excuse me, fight most of the time. And instead of going into fight, you can actually now respond calmly. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what used to happen. Like my husband would say something which would trigger me and the trigger activated my core belief. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy, yep. I did something wrong. So then I would go into a fight response.
0: <laughs> yep. here's the <laughs> and feeling and then yeah. that feeling justifies your thought like, oh, wow. Well, yeah. Yep. And then the the we are yeah, an we asshole. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. And then we'd get into an argument. I would have a mental breakdown. Oh, yeah, I was just a hot mess. Um, right. But now, if he triggers something, I take a moment and pause and I'm like, okay, why was I triggered? What did he say? And then I realize, oh, it triggered this belief. And then now I can actually calmly respond and say, hey, when you said that, it triggered this belief in me. I know that you're not saying I'm not good enough but this is just the belief that it triggered in me. And now we can have a calm conversation about it and not actually escalate and get into an argument and disagreement and then have a mental breakdown at the end of that. So, um, so that's the, the, the second pillar is just identifying learning like what are your triggers and the triggers can be, yeah, things that people say, but it can also sometimes be external, like, like, an infection like getting COVID or Lyme or some kind of viral infection or being exposed to mold or some kind of toxin chemical that mm-hmm. can also cause us to get triggered and going into a stress response. Actually, this happened to my mom when she got COVID, she went into a sympathetic state because she yeah. had, she had retired. So her main stressor was no longer present. And so she was very calm, relaxed, sleeping well. And also she got COVID and she couldn't sleep. And when she was working, she would go through periods of a lot of stress where she wasn't sleeping. And I said, mom, your adrenals are now activated. You're in a sympathetic survival state. So we need to calm your adrenals down. So I got her on a bunch of different adaptogenic herbs, like ashwagandha, holy basil, stuff like that. And her adrenals finally calmed down. She was able to sleep again. So her trigger was the virus that sent her into a, a stress response and then she couldn't sleep. So yeah, sometimes it can be infections. It can be, yeah, external things, uh, situations, circumstances that are happening that are outside of our control that can be a trigger as well. Mm-hmm. And then the third pillar is our conditioning, So, which is what we've been talking about. And it's important to identify the conditioning because then you have this understanding why you react and respond and feel a certain way, you know, based off what happened in the past. But now you can tell your, your subconscious mind, your body, like, that's not happening anymore. That yeah. happened in the past, <laughs> and uh, it's really important we identify because when we have this awareness of our limiting beliefs, our patterns, and our triggers, we no longer are the program. We are now the observer of the program that's happening. And we, when we are the observer and have that awareness, then we can make the change. But until we get to that point, it's hard to make the change. You know, so those are the three core pillars. Because if you just identify the beliefs and your triggers, but you don't identify the conditioning. Again, you're not able to rewire the brain and recondition the body into a new state of being. And so
0: those are those three three core pillars. Beautiful. I mean, those are amazing nuggets that people can really just sob and think about and you go, oh my gosh, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. A hundred percent. So obviously they can dive deeper with you, but this is giving everyone a really nice framework to start with to really start to see how your subconscious thoughts, your belief systems, your stress levels are affecting your adrenals or affecting your hormones or affecting your thyroid. A hundred percent. So Kate, can you tell people where they can find you? And then what is this masterclass that you have too? Because I know a lot of people will be interested in that and we'll post that in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can definitely find me online, radianthealth.com. You know, if you're interested in already enough, I have a wait list started because I am creating a podcast course version. So that way it's accessible to everyone on the go. Cause I realize, especially a lot of us type A ambitious women, we're always on the go. So yeah. I want to be able to dive in deeper to into these three core pillars plus additional content give you some tools and techniques. So it's like, okay, now that you're aware of these three, three different pillars, what can you do now to move out of survival into that parasympathetic or flow state? So that's going to be released in December this this winter. So if you're interested in that, sign up for the waitlist. It's on the website, I'm also on Instagram as well at the Kate Vasquez, and that's Vasquez with double Zs. So V-A-Z-Q-U-E-Z, very active there. So if you have any questions, wanna learn more send me a DM. Um, I'd love to hear from you, but that's where you can find me. And as far as the masterclass, so I created the Gut Hormone Nervous System Connection, which dives in a little bit deeper, like how the nervous system impacts our gut and um, our hormones and adrenals and how that contributes to anxiety. So if you're interested in learning more about that, yeah, it's free. So definitely sign up for that as well.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you for that, Kate. And thank you for all this amazing information too. I greatly appreciate you, and we'll definitely have you back on because this is your second time around. So, you know, you'll be back because this is good stuff. Oh, yeah, because I got a, a second book coming probably next year. So, <laughs> we're waiting. We're waiting. Oh, yeah, I'd love All to right. come
1: back. This was awesome. Thank you so much,
0: Amy. Thank you, too.